Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club, a show where I tell guests a mystery story and they try and guess the solution. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today I am joined by one of my best friend's sisters, Winona. Hello. Hello. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I uh, asked, asked Gabrielle if her mom or your mom would like to come on, and she said, <laughs> no, that's for your the younger generation. Winona, <laughs> I'm sure, would like to do it. <laughs> Although she's also a big reader, so I'm, I'm sure she'd you'd get into it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, thought, I thought she'd be interested, but maybe she's read them all. <laughs> maybe you'll have to check <laughs> she she dropped off a book here the other day um, I haven't looked at the stories yet but I think it's a different I don't think it's an author I've read before hmm. yeah so I can't tell you wide, about wide ranging tastes and <laughs> most recently it's been what we find in the little free libraries around the neighborhood yes <laughs> yes there's so many do you guys uh, contribute to the little free libraries as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we do. And, you know, at the start of quarantine, especially my sister and I were doing a lot of purging, especially of like, <laughs> you know, old like old children's books that we really yes. have held on to, but like are not necessarily great. Um, remember all those like clique, like the clique books? Um, <laughs> they were like, I, I feel like I'd have to see it. You know, I'm sure you don't recognize them. They're they're kind of like a pre, not a prequel, but like a precursor, I would say, to like the whole Gossip Girl. Uh, oh, okay. Girl. They're like yeah. teens instead of teens. Anyways, <laughs> they're not great, but um, as I saw on a headline the other day, it was like the clique walked so Gossip Girl could run, um, and I believe that. There you go. <laughs> uh, so I, I was to, I've uh, given Winona. Prior to this podcast, I sent her a character list, which is the first time I've ever done anything of this kind where I've, I've written down all the main characters' names and given like a really short description to them. And this is something that has been requested before and I've said, you know, maybe in the future. And then I realized it would be a really good Patreon reward because you can, if you're listening to the show at home and you just want the character list, you could Google it. It's on Wikipedia for, for sure. Uh, so I don't feel bad putting it at a price for me to make it look pretty and uh, give my opinion of the characters. I so. do have to say it looks really pretty and yes, <laughs> it looks great. And yeah, definitely a good overview of all of these characters. It's going to help me follow along because mysteries are notoriously character packed. So yes. So that's what I'm hoping. So if anyone at home, if you would like my character list, I'm putting it, I'm just going to put it at the uh, dollar a month tier. So not, I don't think it's really behind a paywall or a crazy paywall but again if it's if you want the character list and you don't want to pay for it feel free to go to wikipedia i won't be mad <laughs> this is just the the pretty version i can attest <laughs> thank you <Winona. laughs> uh so would you like to get started let's get started jump right in okay. so today i am doing my first oh man i didn't look up the author's name um nagayo marsh have you heard of this author before? I'm going to show you the, the oh, author's name. No, I've I've never heard of that. Nagayo Nagayo Marsh. No, I've right. Never like there, I feel like there's a silent letter in there. Mm -hmm. um, N G A I O Marsh, and she is a I think New Zealand author who uh, this her I'm doing her first book, which is called A Man Lay Dead, 
and it was published in 1934. So like kind of it's it's during the whole golden age of detective fiction, golden age of crime era mm-hmm. that she was writing. And this first book is set in England, I think somewhere near London, but outside, like kind of in the country. Yeah. And so we first meet uh, kind of, I think the way it's described is we meet this character, Nigel Bathgate, and he's 25. And he's kind of the folk, like not the narrator per se, but kind of the focus of the story for this first book. Whereas I think in future books, the detective inspector, mm. I'm calling him Alan. There's a Y in his name, but Alien. Al- I'm just going to call him Alan to, <laughs> oh, to I simplify things. That Al- Alan. Yeah, I'd say that was probably Alan. A-L-E-Y-N. Right? So he, he I think, in future books becomes like the main focus of the stories. But I guess maybe because this was her first one. Yeah. Cool. So we're introduced to Nigel Bathgate first. He's 25 and he's on the train with his cousin, Charles Rankin, who's 46. So just, I don't think they give the specific ages for any other characters, but I think it's just to highlight that there's a big age gap between them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and because of that, Nigel, you know, he likes his cousin. He thinks whatever, they're friendly, but he doesn't know that much about him because they wouldn't have really grown up together. Right. Okay. And so they're headed to a place, a little town called Frantock, F-R-A-N-T-O-C-K. And it's, uh, it's I guess, the guy who owns the house, his name's Sir Hubert. Mm-hmm. I looked up how to pronounce that one because Hubert I just is a funny name. And I felt like there was going to be something weird about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it was French. But again, this is in England, so it's not as pretty as the right, French. <laughs> Hubert. Hubert. (laughs) Maybe with a British accent, it's nicer. Hubert. So he owns the house called Frantock. So it's like, I guess, the big house in town. Right. Or or whatever. The village. Yeah, the village. (laughs) So they're on their way to, he has these like, apparently really great house parties. Mm. And so it's like a weekend long thing and he'll invite a whole bunch of guests and it's like they like go wild is kind of how it's described. <laughs> or, you know, so I don't know what that means in the 30s. Uh, which which one of them knows Hubert, Bathgate so or Rankin? It seems like it's Charles. Charles has been to these house parties a bunch. It's Nigel's first time. Okay, okay. So that's probably yeah. where the connection is. I think so Charles had had a dinner party and invited his cousin and that's how Sir Hubert had met Nigel and he's he's pretty um he's not careless with his invites to these house parties like he kind of vets the person beforehand and he's only gonna invite you if he really likes you because something goes down you know it's like exactly not just a a casual party exactly yeah (laughs) it's the shit goes down (laughs) Exactly. So so this, this weekend, it's going to be the usual crowd. So people who normally get invited, plus Nigel. So we kind of start to get introduced to who those people are going to be. Charles is kind of explaining to Nigel. So first we have Arthur Wilde, who's an archaeologist, mm-hmm. and his wife, Marjorie, Marjorie Wilde. Mm-hmm. And then there's Angela North, and she is the niece of Sir Hubert. So she lives lives at Frantock. Oh, cool. Frantock. 
And uh, it well, you kind of get the sense that Nigel is maybe like a little into her. Like they, she was at Charles's party as well, I think. Okay. And so he, he's already met her and kind of, they're probably similar ages or something in there. Angela, okay. But nothing's going on, but you know, he wouldn't mind okay. if it was. <laughs> so then there's also Rosamond Grant. And she, again, the way that they're kind of, Nigel's describing it, it seems like there might be some kind of interest between her and Charles. But again, he's not super close with his cousin, so he doesn't really know if anything's going on. He just got that vibe at the party before. Okay, right. And that's a, and these are like single people also coming to this like party in the woods. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. The only, the married couple is Arthur and Marjorie Wilde, and I think everyone else is single. Mm -hmm. So when they arrive off the train, Angela informs Nigel that that weekend they'll be playing Murders. Like, that's the <laughs> intrigue of the weekend. So exactly what you're saying of, like, stuff happens at these parties. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was thinking, like, orgies, but, you know, Murders is cool. <laughs> also. <laughs> you know, you want to keep the guest list tight if you're having an orgy or if there's going to be murders, I guess. <laughs> So this is, I, I'll, I'll note right away, um, again, this is written in the 30s, but you get the sense from the way they're describing the game, quote unquote, murders. It's just like mafia, like the game where you're oh, in a okay. circle and someone gets tapped on the shoulder, except um, it was way cooler back then because mm-hmm. uh, you, well, I guess you could, you would play similarly if you were at a camp where you all like walk around a room yes. and someone whispers in your ear, you're the corpse. And then you keep walking and then you like fall down dead. Right. This is just art imitating life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I guess like this game was like, I think it was like either new or it was like super popular at this okay. time period. Right. Uh, so, so Nigel gets left alone while Angela goes to find her uncle and he's, he's out, there's like, um, I guess the way it's set up is like the hallway when you enter the house has like a drink making cart or something like the alcohol is in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And so he makes himself a drink and he's examining um, Sir Hubert has like a knife or dagger collection mm. that's hung up in leather sleeves along the uh, the the uh, stairwell banister or whatever. Very and knives this, out of him. That's exactly what I was picturing. <laughs> the the movie Knives Out, for anyone who hasn't seen it, the, the main main character has this like huge knife display, knife yeah. wall thing. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a choice. Yeah. <laughs> a collection. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder how much, like, I'm sure whoever, whoever wrote Knives Out read all the mystery books. I wonder right. if they, like, was it based on this or did, mm. does it just happen that knives are a great thing for a murder, murder movie? Maybe heavily influenced uh, storyline. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's similar other than the knives. So okay. And the murder. I don't don't rely too heavily on the movie plot for your guess. Right, okay. <laughs> the cousin so... didn't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to take guesses now, go for it. Oh, gosh. Yeah, oh, no, no, it's way too early. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> way too early. <laughs> but, yeah, no, keep going. A wall of no- Okay. Wall of Knives, and so then he is—he's there by himself when Doctor Tokarev 
comes in and introduces himself. And so he kind of gets, you get the sense that he's some kind of like historian mm. and he's from Russia. So he's, you know, he's got a pretty thick accent. And again, from when this book was written, I feel like stereotypes are very mm. important for writers. And so his like Russian stereotyped speaking is like, that's what's okay forefront in the story. All right. Um, and so then all the other guests arrive and Sir Hubert comes down the stairs and I've just written he's really into old knives slash weapons. So maybe that gets brought up again somehow. Okay. So before the dinner bell goes, so they have like a gong or a bell in the hallway that would get mm-hmm. like you'd be, have a warning that's like 30 minutes to dinner and then you all go and have a bath. Which seems oh, ridiculous, but... Sounds nice. <laughs> Get, yeah, get changed for dinner. So Sir Hubert, decide, he goes, to, he endeavors to explain his version of the murder game. So he's kind of like tweaked it to, mm. to suit uh, what he wants. So his butler, his name is Vasily, and he's also Russian. And at dinner, uh, Vasily will hand one person a scarlet plaque. And if you get that, there will be a secret. If you get that plaque, then you are the murderer. You've been chosen as the murderer. Okay. And between 5.30 p.m. and 11 p.m. the next day, so like let's say today's, I don't know, Saturday, on Sunday, or maybe today's Friday, on Saturday, uh, the murder between those uh, four and a half, five and a half, whatever, six and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Wait, what's the time? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, five and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's when the murder will, it will be their time to strike. And so they'll have to tap the person on the shoulder, whisper, you're the corpse. Mm-hmm. And then the other important thing is that they will, there's like a um, a light switch that turns off all the lights to the house, like a breaker, basically. Right. They'll flip that switch and sound the gong. Mm-hmm. And then everyone else in the house has to remain exactly where they are for two minutes to let the murderer kind of like integrate back into the house. Okay. Okay. Cool. And then they'll all come downstairs or come to wherever in the house. They'll have to find the body. And then they'll hold like a mock trial. Everyone will be like allowed to guess who did it. Oh, this sounds so fun. I want to do yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, so they don't worry about people in the 30s. They were having a blast. Yeah, they were having a great time, man. I mean, I guess the war <laughs> was right around the corner, but. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be us after this pandemic, though. Yes. Yes, going to your cottage or doing murders. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Rankin at this point also, he makes an announcement. He's brought along with him a dagger to show off because he knows that both Arthur Wilde and Sir Hubert are both into like knives. I think it's more Arthur Wilde is into knives. Like he's a historian, archaeologist that like, specifically focuses on knives and daggers Mm -hmm. sir hubert is more into like russian things like his focus of study is russia and russia's history yeah and so this happens to be a russian knife and so it interests both of them right but i guess sir hubert's also into knives because he has that wall of knives he is also into knives yes a lot of knife love which i would have thought previously to like literally yesterday was the weirdest hobby but we had someone stop by our house yesterday, like a, a, a family friend. And sure. I found out they have like one of the largest knife collections in like Ontario. And I was like, excuse wow. me, what kind of hobby is this? And he like pulled a knife out of his pocket. It's just like, I just have it here to like, like 
fiddle around with. Yeah. I don't even use it. It's like a six hundred dollar <laughs> knife. I'm not gonna actually use it <laughs> for anything. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyways, prior to so there you go. Okay. Yeah, it's a thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So that's exactly what this is. So um, Charles has brought his this dagger to show off because he knows these people are gonna be interested in it. And so he tells them that it had been sent to him by what he calls like a Russian guy. But just just to be clear, in this time period, Russia is like the USSR, and so kind of means any like Eastern European country. Okay, sure. Um, so I'm I'm calling him Russian, but it's possible he's not. Okay, actually Russian. Yeah. Um, and so this, what had happened was the year before, or a couple years before, he had, I think it was the year before he had saved this guy from dying of frostbite in Switzerland. And the guy had ended up losing two mm-hmm. fingers, but he had actually been able to rescue him and so Charles did Charles did okay and so when he got the knife all it had said 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 in the note was like thanks from Switzerland or thanks Switzerland or like basically something along those lines Mm -hmm. and so he's assuming that it's this there was no name but he's assuming this guy was so grateful that he sent him this knife right okay as you do of course yeah I mean of course (laughs) <laughs> if my life is saved it's the first thing you have to send <laughs> um yeah and so mr wilde and sir hubert are super impressed with the dagger it's it's something like like hundreds and hundreds of years old it's clearly a collector's piece of extreme antiquity i think that's the right pronunciation yeah Antiqu- antiquity. antiquity yeah 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 and so they're impressed. And so, yeah, again, clearly cool knife. But uh, Dr. Tokarev, who, who is Russian, yeah. he says that the knife is a symbol of one of the Russian brotherhoods. And so I, I think they're kind of getting described as like gangs, not not gangs, but like, you know, you're part of, you're not, there's whatever, like, you know, it's like a gang, you yeah. have your own yeah. gang, and it's whatever, like, maybe a region of Russia you're from. Sure, yeah. That seems to be the idea. And so he's telling them this, it's a symbol of one of these brotherhoods and it's very unorthodox to be given to anyone outside of the brotherhood. Mm. So so Charles. And so he's kind of saying it's like almost like a symbol of bad luck. And the butler, Vasily, says something in Russian and the, and Dr. Tokarev says, yes, the peasant agrees with me. The peasant. Yeah. Not classist at all, are we, doctor? All right, so there's this brotherhood knife that Charles has. Yes. He received as a gift. Yeah. Cool. So then from there, it's the, the dinner bell goes and they go upstairs. Mr. Wilde shows Nigel up to his room. They're sharing a, a bathroom. So it's it goes Mrs. Wilde's bedroom, then right beside it, um, her husband's dressing room. I, I don't understand the, like, bedrooms and such back then but i guess they shared a bedroom but he had his own dressing room all right sure 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 (laughs) so then dressing room and then the dressing room has a interconnecting door to the bathroom and then the bathroom has another inter interconnecting door into nigel's room okay interesting shared bath don't we all love those like on a cruise (laughs) (laughs) there seems to be yeah uh, and it's it's england so when they say bathroom they literally mean the bathroom, not the toilet, which is okay. different. Okay, like a physical bath. Yeah, yeah, this is the physical bath. And so that's important because they're go- it's the dinner bell, which means they all go up to bathe. And so it's like, oh, you take the bath first, Nigel. And <laughs> he goes, okay, and gets in the bath and, you know, has to be quick because uh, Wilde needs the bath. Yeah. 
So, so Nigel, he has his bath first. He gets down early and he's hoping to see Angela. That's why he's kind of like rushed through getting ready. Um, and he doesn't see her, but he does see the drawing room door is open. There's a light on. So he goes in there and he doesn't see anyone, but it's kind of, um, it's got like an L shape. So okay. the main drawing room and then it curves off into another room, which is more of like a library slash um, gun room, which I guess was also normal. And so he goes in there and is kind of, yeah, uh, it's kind of looking around and he's too, he's gets really like interested in what he's looking at. And he doesn't notice that two other people come in behind him. And by the time he does notice, it's like too awkward to present himself. Like it would look like he was oh, okay. trying to hide his presence. Mm. And so he has to kind of just like stay there and hope they leave. Right. But it ends up being that it's Charles and Mrs. Wilde, and they're clearly like fooling around. Like they just, oh, sure. yeah, scandal. I know, it's super scandal. <laughs> so, so that's already bad enough because oh, and it there you get the sense that this has been going on a while. Like this oh, is okay. not a one-time thing because they're the like they're you know, regulars at these creepy mansion parties. Well, that too, and just like the things they say, they're kind of. Like, Mrs. Wilde's like, you have to stop doing this to me. And Charles, like, you like it. You know? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Super uh, consensual. Yeah. Yeah. Not. <laughs> so, so they leave. And then Charles goes to leave as well to, like, make his sneaky exit when the lights in the drawing room get turned off. And he knows that that means someone else was also in the room and had heard that conversation. <gasps> So I think there's there was another alcove off some I don't know how I don't know how there's all these side rooms so all the <laughs> There was someone else and he's not sure who it is because he doesn't see them as as they leave. Okay, so wait, this is not this is not the the murder mystery uh lights out. This is just a no. They leave the room and turn off the lights behind them. Right. So the so so while uh, Mrs. Wilde and Charles leave the room, and then someone else leaves behind mm-hmm. them and turns off the lights in just the drawing room. Yeah. So Nigel's like dun dun dun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he exactly. He's he's like feeling so uncomfortable because it's like, you know, this is like the worst thing you could do is have bad form and you know be rude. So yeah. Yeah. So he's of just like. He's going to take this to the grave with him, you know, like, he's not a gossip. Unlike me, I would have told everyone. (laughs) I'd be like, guys! (laughs) That's what they're doing. Can't keep a secret. But uh, we're we're learning about, you know, possibly one motive here, you know? Right. Yep. Yeah, some of the main main motives. Money and cheating. So, dinner happens, whatever, whatever. The next morning at breakfast... Nigel gets a long distance call from his boss. So Nigel is a journalist in London. Okay. Yeah. And he gets told that a Polish guy was murdered. And I think it gets mentioned something to do with there's a thought that it could be um, there's like a Russian angle. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think they give any specifics on how they know that, but they're kind of saying there's there's the idea that there's some Russian angle going on with this murder. And so I thought this was funny that the, the boss is asking Nigel to get like a personal kind of like story because he's with uh, 
uh, Sir Hubert, who is like known to be like a Russian expert. Right. Yes. And so he's like, can you get like a story from him? And so he gives what he thinks the title should be for the story. And it's called, are Poles Russians or are they, or are they Poles apart? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Some liberty with the titles back yeah. then. <laughs> a little bit of wordplay. <laughs> So this is this is kind of what I meant with uh, the idea of like yeah no one seems to know what Russia means and what just right. other countries are. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I understand. So after lunch, this is we're saying this is Saturday after lunch on Saturday. Uh, Tokarev goes into the library. Um, Mrs. Wild and Charles go off on a walk. Nigel and Angela go off on a walk and to play badminton. And uh, Rosamond and Mr. Wilde kind of disappear. It's unclear if they've gone off on a walk or if they've just gone to, like, their own rooms, mm-hmm. um, like, alone. And then after tea, because, you know, there's breakfast, lunch, tea, and dinner, the game begins. So it's tea, and then 5.30 hits, and that's when the murder game begins. So they're all in the drawing room, and somehow, like, a pillow fight starts. And I think there's, you know, there's probably some alcohol going around. And then... Mr. Wild gets debagged, which I'm pretty sure means they take his pants off. What? Debagged? Debagged. Like Like the letter D. D E. Like what what are D like D E dash bag. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Is bagged a word for pants? I have no idea. Well, exactly. Yeah. Who knows? But in this context, it seems like they remove his pants because then he like covers himself and is like all embarrassed and it like people are making fun of him. And it's it seems uncomfortable, but also like that you get the sense that this is what happens at these parties. Like this is, this is the kind of fun. Is this Hubert? This is uh, Mr. Wild. Oh, Mr. Wild. Mr. Wild. OK. Yeah. A little a bit of light bullying, you know. Yeah. How- Exactly. Yeah. Kind of confusing. So everyone else is having fun at the expense of Mr. Wilde. And then Sir Hubert asks Charles to sell him the dagger. Like he's, he's basically like, I'm a collector. You know, I'm a collector. You've, you've aroused like the great, my greatest, um, not con, what's it called? Like trait, my worst trait. That's the right word. Trait. Okay. Like personality, not personality, but that kind of trait of like, I, You've shown me this dagger. It's yours, but I like I'm a collector Must and I want to have it. Yeah, right. So he yes. asks he asks Charles to sell it to him, and Charles is like, "Dude, like I kind of want this for myself. However, I will will it to you if I die. You can have it." Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually, I, I I can't. Maybe Hubert pushes Sir Hubert pushes back and is like, uh, "Like just name your price type thing." And he's like, "I'll will it to you right now." And they sign the paperwork. Like wow. they, they write it like a whatever thing, codicil or whatever it's called. And uh, I think Mr. Wilde and Nigel witness it. Okay. So that's like sign witness. So kind of from there, uh, Rosamond, Angela, and Mrs. Wilde say they're all going to go upstairs together because it's like, you know, the the, fr- the scaredness of someone could quote unquote murder you at any time. So yeah. they're going up in a group and... Uh, Sir Hubert and Dr. Tokarev also say, oh, we'll come up with you. So it's this, the five of them, three women, Dr. Tokarev and uh, Sir Hubert go up together. And so that leaves Nigel, 
Charles and Mr. Wilde alone in the drawing room. And then shortly later, uh, Nigel says he's going to go up and bathe first because, again, they're sharing this bath before dinner. And so uh, Charles and Mr. Wilde are left in the drawing room. So at some point, like, I guess between tea and all these people, like, moving around to their rooms and stuff, someone has been given the murder plaque. That happened yesterday night at dinner. Oh, it happened yesterday. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, yeah, someone has it and they've kind of been given the, it's, I think the idea is they had the day to figure out their plan, like what they were going to try and do. Okay. And now it's kind of like game time. Exactly. It's like, okay, time to execute. So, so Nigel leaves Charles and Mr. Wilde alone. And the idea is, is that if either of them are the murderer and they kill the other person, Nigel will know it's them. Mm, okay. Okay. Because he left them alone. And so there's no... Like, they, it would be too suspicious. This really feels like, um, did you ever play the game Among Us last fall or any time since then? Oh, no, I don't think so, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never played myself. I just really liked watching people play. But it's this uh, game where, you know, you're a little character and you get dropped on, like, a spaceship type thing. And you have to go around completing tasks. But two people are murderers. And they're trying okay. to kill you. And so it's the same it's the same concept of mafia except mm-hmm. in a video phone game, whatever. Okay. Cool. Uh, and <laughs> so that same tactic was used of if there's three people together and one guy goes off and the other two stay together and then the third guy comes back and finds a dead body, he knows that the other person's the murderer because right. he left the two of them right. alone together. Okay. And we're kind of seeing this all generally from Nigel's point of view. For the most part right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, It's not completely him narrating. Like it's a little bit of narrator and Nigel narrating a little bit. Okay. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's mostly from his perspective. You know, generally if someone's narrating, it's like mainly their point of view. They're kind of like experiencing all this around them and they're trying to figure out the mystery. It's usually right. not them that's committed the, the uh, mystery. Yeah. Like all the people swirling around them. Yeah. And 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 to that point, you, you're probably missing all the stuff that's going. You you really know what's going on with them. Just with yeah, them. But you're missing a lot of the other stuff. Yes. So for right now it is it is mostly Nigel's point of view. Um, we will get, once the inspe- detective inspector, oh, okay. Alan, enters, we kind of get, it, it switches between his perspective and Nigel's perspective a little bit. He's, there's no reason for a detective inspector yet. <laughs> yeah, no, not yet. No one's dead yet. <laughs> yeah. So, Wilde comes up, Nigel's finished his bath, and Wilde gets into the bath, and they're kind of um, shouting to each other through the through the wall. And I think just like typical jitters about like what's going on with the murder game and Marjorie, Mrs. Wilde is in the, you know, the adjoining room and she's also kind of shouting between them. So I think she's mostly shouting to her husband, but Nigel's kind of picking up on some of it too. I thought, then, wait, I thought Mr. Mr. Wilde was down with Charles. So he comes up. So Nigel has his bath. He finishes and Wilde comes up to have his bath. Uh, okay. Okay. So I think he said something to the effect as he had left, uh, I think Charles was coming up behind him or maybe he was making a drink or something in the hallway before coming up. Uh, But they hadn't come up together. Wilde had gone up first. And um, so they're they're kind of talking and then a maid comes in to bring Nigel shaving water into his room. 
And as she's asking, telling him, oh, you need shaving water, the lights go out. Okay. So, so there's kind of like a few moments of silence and uh, Nigel's got a, I forget what he calls it, but ba- like it was, this is like during the period of like, um, you know, radioactive, like radium watches, yeah. you know, like glow in the yes. dark. Yes. So he like. Horrifying book about radium girls last yes. year. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, like wrecked me. <laughs> yes. I didn't. I didn't read the book, but I have listened to a few podcasts on the subject, and it's pretty. Yeah, it was a dark awful. read. Like I couldn't. I. It took me months to finish that. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so just to say that it's the 30s, having a watch that glows in the dark is like a big deal. And so Nigel's like, "Don't worry, I'll count the two minutes." He's kind of. I think says this to Mister Wild. Yeah, I think I think there's it goes into like everyone's in silence for a bit of being like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's happening? What's happening? And then I think Wild calls out and at, like says, what what's going on? Can I get out of the bath? And then Nigel says, nope, you got to stay where you are. I'll I'll count the two minutes. <laughs> okay, yeah, something along those lines. Poor Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, sorry. The lights went out and the gong sounds. The the two things happened, and then um. So Nigel is the first to get out of his room and he runs, I think he puts like lights a match and runs downstairs. And so he's the first to get to the light switch and flicks it back on. Okay. And they see it's been, Charles has been like chosen as the victim and he's laying on the floor. And so people are kind of making jokes like poor Charles, whatever, whatever. But it's Dr. Tokarev that is the first to say, don't touch the body because he's seen the knife in his back. Oh <gasps> yeah. Wait, they all came down and no one saw the knife in his back? I you know <laughs> sometimes things happen in these books that aren't realistic. <laughs> I don't know what I would do in that situation. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. My goodness. Alright, so Charles has been murdered. Yes. And so this is where we kind of we see that like cut view. So we leave we leave all those guests and we cut to Chief Inspector excuse me, Chief Inspector Detective Allen's point of view. And so he's arriving at uh, at the house and he sees the uh, d- the police surgeon who says that there's no chance that the wound was self-inflicted. And that's because I think it was pretty mm. high up and forceful on his back. And he also asks about the body, which has for some reason been moved to the study. And so we kind of get into this a little bit more, but the basically the police surgeon says the body had already been moved about a whole bunch when he had gotten there. We're not sure exactly mm. why, but so he had allowed, um, Sir Hubert had been anxious to move the body and kind of get the mess cleaned up because there's a bunch right. of blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he had said, sure. And so Alan kind of chastises him and basically says, it doesn't matter how much the body's been moved. Like we, ch- we need to see that for a police investigation. Right. Uh, and Alan is uh, Scotland Yard. So the, the, the village police had arrived first thing the night before, but Alan is arriving the next morning because he's next from morning. London. Okay. Okay. So the inspector Wait, first... Wait, the, the body moving, was yeah. that like, did the people in the house move the body or... Or was it like, he's like, oh, this this isn't where he was murdered. The body has been moved. And everyone's like, oh. Uh, it's the, it seems to be the people in the house have moved okay. the body. Yeah. Because, no, it was found in the hallway and now it's in the mm. study. But it's, yeah, we don't know who moved, like, what happened in that, like, the kerfuffle once the knife was discovered. Right. Okay. Basically. 
So the inspector, Inspector Allen asks to see Miss North, Angela, first. And she comes in with Nigel, who has seemingly been, like, he's been up all night making phone calls to the family, the lawyers, the this, the that. I think he called Scotland Yard and has been uh, helping Sir Hubert and Angela and everyone just kind of, like, keep it together. And so they explain the whole story. Like, what was, to Alan, like, we were playing this murder game. Here are the rules. Here's what, like, this is, we all stayed away for two minutes. Like, this is why this Uh happened this way. And then uh, Sir Hubert comes in, and he mostly asks about the, uh, Alan mostly asks him about the dagger, because it had been Charles' dagger that he was stopping, the one he brought with him. Yeah. Wow. The one from the Russian mafia. Yeah. So Alan's, I think, a little interested because this dagger has this Russian history. Sir Hubert himself is interested in Russian history. And there's two Russians in the house, the doc- Dr. Tokarev and the butler, Vasily. Right. So Inspector, oh, I think, no, then Angela tells Alan about willing the dagger to her uncle because she's kind of like, it's basically like it's bound to come out. So yes, last night he, he signed this dagger away, kind of, because yeah. it's... Like, I guess the idea of, like, you're going to find out eventually, and it kind of looks a little damaged. Yeah. So, Inspector Allen assembles all the household in the library, and he proposes that they hold the mock trial that was supposed to happen mm, with the game. Okay. And so I guess it's with the idea of letting, just just to see how, how the guests would ask questions, or, like, what they're interested in, maybe? Yeah. And so he first says... To the point, who has who was given the scarlet plaque? And Mr. Wilde immediately admits that he was given the scarlet plaque, so he was selected as the murderer. Um, and this makes this makes sense to Sir Hubert. Or I think Sir Hubert kind of chimes in because someone on the when they had come down the stairs after the lights had turned off, someone had whispered in the, his ear, "You're the corpse," and he had gotten up like he had sworn at whoever it was, and so it, it turns out it's Wilde. Kind of saying, like, I thought it was the perfect opportunity that someone had by accident, like, or by accident on purpose turned the lights out, and now I was, you know, it's my chance to uh, pick a victim. Does that make sense? So, Mr. Wilde, so, like, Nigel, Nigel made sense with who he thought would be the murderer and, like, his plan to, like, leave Mr. Wilde and Charles in the same room, and... It did turn out that one of them was. The yeah, murderer. one of them was the murderer, but exactly what he said. He couldn't, Wilde couldn't kill or quote unquote kill, like mm-hmm. tell Charles he was the victim because then Nigel would know that it was Wilde. Right. Okay. So Mr. Wilde, what, I think what he says is that he had almost called out to Nigel when the lights had gone out that it was an accident. This must be an accident before uh-huh. realizing that he was, he would have given himself away. And so he played the game. To so someone else turned off the lights right and nigel whispered in hubert's ear yeah that he was the because he well he didn't realize that charles that charles was actually dead because all the lights were still off so it was in the kerfuffle of everyone coming down the stairs he had just picked a victim at random because no one could see him because all the lights were off so he had just thought it was someone had boxed and turned the lights off this is a perfect opportunity for me to pick my victim okay was his thought but sir okay. hubert thinking that the lights going off was the real murderer, thought that someone was just playing a joke on him. Okay. So the game fell apart when the wrong person 
It well, yeah, obviously makes sense. <laughs> so, so then it gets into a case of what had happened. So Mr. Wilde says he had left Charles in the hall when he had gone up to have his bath, and he had left Charles making a drink. And one of the maids, Mary, had been in the hallway dusting, and he'd okay. asked her for the time. She looked at the clock and said it's seven fifty, and then. Uh, Wild realizing that I think, let's say eight o'clock was dinner or something, like realizing he doesn't have a lot of time, hurries upstairs to have his bath. Okay. So both Nigel and uh, Mrs. Wild, Marjorie, corroborate Mr. Wild's story because they'd all been shouting to each other. So they are mm-hmm. like, yes, he arrived at this time. We were shouting to him before and af- after the lights had gone out. So we like basically saying all three of us were there. So since Nigel was the first down the stairs, he's asked if he had passed anyone on the stairs. Like the idea that whoever had killed Charles was still like on his way up, on their way up at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's pretty sure he didn't. He had had the, the match had got, I think, been lit for most of the time. Maybe had gone out before he got to the bottom of the stairs, but he's pretty sure he didn't pass anyone. Oh, so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so there's only one light switch. Just one, like one main breaker for the whole house or something. So I think there's light switches in all the rooms. But yeah, this is the breaker that can turn off all the lights. Like, I guess it just shuts the power to the house. Right, right. All right. Yeah. And everyone else was upstairs aside from Charles. Exactly. Everyone like known and accounted for. That's So that's what we're getting into is we're getting okay. everyone's stories. From what we think right now, everyone except the servants uh, mm-hmm. were upstairs. So we get uh, Dr. Tokarev's account first. And so he says that he had sung the death of Boris the entire time and he had been in his room. Um, He said he didn't bathe before dinner because basically it was like bathing before dinner is not the right Mm -hmm. time to bathe. Before bed is the appropriate time. So (laughs) I agree, Dr. T. (laughs) So he, he's kind of saying, Sir Hubert confirms that he had heard heard Dr. Tokarev singing. And he's also quite far from the main stairs. Like Dr. Tokarev's room is the farthest away. Mm, okay. And so I think there's some idea that it would have been difficult for him to get all the way there and back. It, but he also makes the claim of like, see, I've given you this perfect alibi. Like, okay. I'm free to go. And Alan's like, oh, no, you don't. And that's, everyone's, <laughs> everyone's staying right where they are. So then I think, so they're still questioning Dr. Tokarev and he does admit that he was the first to notice the knife, but that it wasn't him who had moved the body. And that's when Mrs. Wilde admits that she was the one who had moved the body. She'd just been overcome with fear, maybe. Like she'd been kind of like that, that feeling of like, no, that they can't be dead. They can't be dead. And so was shaking the body, had like flipped him over and basically moved him quite a distance before anyone could stop her. And kind of before it had really sunk in that Charles was dead. Okay. So she comes clean about that. And and so then so we get into um, the rest of the household and what they were doing. So Sir Hubert says that he had spoken with Vasily and then he had had a bath. And then Angela had come by for Advil uh, because uh, Rosamond Grant had requested Advil. Mm-hmm. And Angela had gone to get her some. And so that had been right before the gong had gone. And Angela kind of confirms this. She had been reading in her room. Rosamond had asked for Advil. She'd gone to get it. And she was coming down the hall to knock on Rosamond's door when the lights had gone out. 
Rosamond Rosamond said she had bathed first. So so Angela and her shared a bath. Um, So Angela had been reading. Rosamond was taking a bath. And then um, Angela had come in and she'd asked for the aspirin. And then she had stayed in her room after leaving the bathroom. All right. So then they want to get some confirmation on what everyone's, that's that's everyone's stories, uh, some confirmation. So they press the bell for the servants. And Mary answers the door, which is weird that it's not Vasily because he's the, he's the butler. He's kind of like head in charge. So he doesn't come, which is strange. And so they ask Mary to get Florence. But before she goes, um, they get her to confirm that she had seen Charles and Mr. Wilde at, like in the hallway, Charles making a drink and Wilde going up the stairs. Mm-hmm. at 7.50. So then Florence comes in and she confirms hearing uh, the three people shouting because she had gone in to help Mrs. Wilde dress, like do up her corset or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so she had heard the three of them shouting at each other. Um, I think no, it wasn't constant, but it was like periodic, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, and... So she had got from Mrs. Wilde, she had gone to Aunt to see if Angela needed help. And on her way, she had seen Angela coming up down the hall. Oh, she'd got, Angela wasn't there, so she had knocked on Miss Grant's room, but Miss Grant wasn't in her room. She had come in a few minutes later, and uh, she'd, I think, been at the door, seen Angela coming back down the hallway when the lights had gone out. So... Okay. The, I think all eyes turn to Rosamond Grant and they're like, so you didn't stay in your bedroom after you went to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Where did you go? And Rosamond faints. Oh. So wait, Florence saw her leave? The maid the maid, the maid had gotten to Rosamond's room to see if she needed help dressing and Rosamond wasn't in her room. And so mm-hmm. she had come back into her room a few minutes later, but she hadn't been in the bathroom. She had been somewhere else. Okay. But this maid is not Florence. This this is Florence. Florence had come into Rosamond's room, and Florence had also seen Angela coming down the hall with the aspirin when the lights had gone out. Okay, Okay, all right. So it's at this point that they, I think they ask Florence, like, where's Vasily? And she says, she's so sorry, she didn't want to worry anyone. Uh, Vasily has run away. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. Some drama. A lot going on. It's all coming together. Yeah, do you have any questions about anything so far or thoughts on what's going on? Yeah, well, you know, we we yeah, we have a few motivations that are kind of like swirling about right now, right. obviously. Mm-hmm. There's the, the connection with Hubert and the knife and like his desire to have it mm-hmm. and be in possession of it. Um, that and like the fact that he was literally just written it written into his will (laughs) yeah (laughs) written into his will so like obviously that's motivation but like would you actually kill someone like just for a knife like maybe if you're a crazy knife collector yeah i don't know right um (laughs) so i guess there's there's that aspect but it does seem very obvious and then yeah there's all obviously the like infidelity aspect of like charles yeah um and uh, Mrs. Uh, White, Wild, sorry. Wild, yeah. um, and so, yeah, there's, you know, lovers spurned. There's, you know, <laughs> coming will. There is, um, I mean, 
you said at the beginning that like this lady Rosamond, there like might have been something going on between her and Charles. Mm-hmm. And and so it it seems like, you know, she she was leaving her room, question mark. Mm-hmm. And we don't exactly know what was going on with that. And right. you know, maybe there is again some sort of like lover's spat going on or sure. some sort. We don't exactly know the nature of their relationship. Yeah. So. So a lot going on right now. We got to do some yes. sifting. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Or hear more. Yes. And then there's Vasily who ran away, but like, <laughs> who knows what's up with him? <laughs> yes. He doesn't seem to currently have any motivation. And it yes. seems almost like, a, uh, what's it called? Like a, a dupe. Like mm. they're trying to. Red herring. Yes. A red herring. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> well, I will give you more information then. Alright. So Alan is Inspector Alan is pissed that Vasily has gone away. He's like, How did it seems that the, the police, the village police had attended to everything. They hadn't let anyone touch anything, they kept everyone separate, whatever, whatever, but they had not sealed the premises. And so Vasily had just walked out the door and left. No sure. no problem. Yeah. As you do. As you do. And so he's upset about it and immediately sets up police around the perimeter and calls the yard to get the get everyone out there looking for for Vasily to find him uh it, mm-hmm. I think they find that he had boarded a train and probably was already in London all right so then he speaks uh the household has kind of been dismissed so he speaks to the last maid Ethel there are bits so there's three maids Mary Florence and Ethel mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she gives Nigel that perfect alibi that he had forgotten about because she had literally been in the room with him asking about shaving water when the lights had gone out. Right. Okay. So, so Alan kind of does a facepalm on Nigel's behalf being like, how could you forget literally a perfect alibi, but okay. (laughs) And so from there, uh, Alan has his partner, detective Bailey start kind of rummaging around. And so Bailey is there to like, uh, predominantly get fingerprints and so he um he starts taking prints on the banister and um he'll be he'll take prints of everyone's room from everyone's room so they can identify people and alan is kind of inspecting everything else so he first goes into the drawing room and is sifting through the fire and he finds in the grate of the fire so like what had like fallen out from underneath he finds a charred button with a little piece of yellow leather attached so he's like, okay. okay, interesting. Someone's, you know, burning their stuff. And so he he then starts to make an inventory of everyone's clothing or everyone's possessions in their room so that he has like a list for future reference. And he's also specifically looking for a yellow dogskin glove. So somehow he's identified from this button that he thinks he thinks he's looking for a glove. Okay. And so while he's in Tokarev's room, he finds a lot of letters written in Russian. And there's a also a seal with the picture, a picture of a knife on it. And a lot of the documents have this seal on it. So he's he's intrigued by that. He takes some copies down some of the sentences. And as with everyone's room, he's putting everything back as if he's disturbed nothing. Okay. So meanwhile, while that's going on, um, Detective Bailey has found a drawer in Mrs. Wilde's room that's kind of stuck. He feels like there's something stuck behind it. And so they take apart the dresser, and it's at the bottom drawer. They find a yellow dogskin glove. 
kind of like okay. tucked in behind. And so they're kind of thinking it would have been possible the way the drawers were built that the glove could have fallen behind the drawers. Like it wasn't necessarily okay. placed there. It could have it could have been pushed over by accident. Like if it had been set on top of the drawers, the you know, and then pushed behind and fallen to the bottom. Right. So Alan, Alan decides, like, he's going to try and perform a trick with this glove. And so everyone's outside kind of enjoying the weather. And so he, he kind of goes into where the coats are, like the cloakroom. And as everyone's coming back in, he pretends to drop a bunch of the coats. And then as he's picking them up and apologizing to people as they come back in, he finds this lone glove and asks, oh, I can't find the part, like, this must have fallen out of someone's coat pocket. Whose is it? Yeah. Um, so I think Angela says, oh, that's yours, Marjorie. So it's Mrs. Wilde's glove. And she says that she had been missing that one. I think it's, let's say it's the left-hand glove since yesterday. And she'd actually gone out and only worn the right-hand glove because Charles had given them to her and she had been on a walk with Charles. Mm-hmm. So she, they kind of, they're trying to, he's trying to ask her like, where, where could you possibly have lost it? And she says, well, what do I normally do with my gloves? Like I probably... It makes sense that she's the glove had been lost in the cloakroom because she can't remember. So she's like, yeah, I probably threw it here one morning or one whatever after a walk, and I only found the right-hand glove. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Alan knows that the right-hand glove has been burned. It's just the left-hand glove okay. right. that's left. So next he inspects Charles in, oh, sorry, Alan inspects Charles' suits. And on his dinner jacket, he finds a lot of liquid powder. And he goes and takes samples of all the women's, like, toiletries and finds that it's a mixture of Mrs. Wilde and Rosamond. Okay. Okay. So maybe more heavily Mrs. Wilde's, but a little bit of Rosamond's um, powder. So meanwhile, all of that's going on. Nigel and Angela go out for a walk together, and they agree that they should, like, make a pact and they should both tell each other who they suspect and kind of keep each other informed with what's going on. Okay. And so uh, Nigel kind of says that he's kind of thinking it must be Vasily because because of his weird behavior of running away. And Angela agrees that that's who seems most likely, but like almost like emotionally she feels that it's someone else. Mm-hmm. And she's about to tell Nigel when Mrs. Wilde comes running out of the house yelling for Nigel to tell him he has a long distance phone call. Okay. So so Angela kind of I think Angela at this point is like, you know what? Never mind, I'm not gonna tell you. Right. So it ends up being the family solicitor on the phone for Nigel, and he's just arranging with Nigel to come down to Fran Talk the next day to kind of help out and I think maybe read the will and kind of inform people who who's inheriting. So from there, Nigel goes out to find Angela to play badminton as they have been planning. And he finds Inspector Allen trying to get info out of like a toddler, a little girl who's with her. Her dad is the gardener. So she lives kind of on the property. And it seems that the daughter, this little girl, saw a woman crying on a walk the day before. And so Alan wants to know who this woman is and kind of find out more about her. And so they, they bribe her with money. And they find out that it was a lady wearing a red cap and she had been crying while walking with a gentleman in the forest the day before. Okay. So they can't get any more out of her than that. But Alan has this inventory of everyone's clothing, etc. So he'll go back and oh, yeah. figure out the red hat. 
So Alan, uh, he goes back in the house and he asks to see Sir Hubert. And um, Hubert has been in the, he hadn't been, the body's now been taken away. And he had, hadn't been in the study before because, because of the body, but now he can go back in. So he had been like going through his papers and he brings out that note that Charles, like the will or the whatever yes. thing, codicil, I don't know what it's called, but that he had written to will Sir Hubert yeah. the knife. Because, the addendum to the will. <laughs> yes, exactly. And Alan, of course, wanted to see it, but you kind of, it's, Sir Hubert's super weird about it. He's basically like, yeah, I'll give it to you, but like, you can give it back to me, right? Like I'd. I know it might seem crazy, but I really want that knife. Like, you'll, this is legal, right? Like, it's. <laughs> They're like, sir, it is a murder weapon. We must keep it. <laughs> yeah, basically. He's kind of going, but like, you know, when you're done with it. And even the note, yeah. he's like, I'd like to have the note back. Okay. When you're done with right. it. So it's a little weird, but Alan's kind of like, you know, teach their own, sure. Not super suspicious of. Hubert. Right. Well, we don't know. He's it's like the typical detective where they keep their keep their feelings close. Yeah, and then on like the last page, he's like, and now I shall monologue. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So Alan goes to then see Rosamond, who's been laid up in bed since she fainted the night before the day before, whatever it was. And Mm The, the doctor had basically been like, no, 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 you can't see her. Like, she's too weak. And uh, Alan was like, it's a murder investigation. So if she's awake, I'm seeing her. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes up and she continues to refuse to tell him where she had gone the night before after her bath. Or the night of the murder after her bath. Mm-hmm. And she also won't tell... He has He's discovered that it was her who was crying in the woods the day before. Oh, okay. So, and she also refuses to tell him who she was walking with. And so, okay. not being very secretive um, about everything. And then he kind of says, okay, well, if you're not going to tell me that, at least give me some more info on who you are. So she kind of, I think, he asks about how she had met Charles and... Um, he was like 20 years older than her or something when they had met mm-hmm. and she had been in school at Newman when when she had met Charles which Alan goes oh I had a cousin who would have been there at the same time as you do you know her and Rosamond reluctantly says yes I know your cousin and so okay Alan leaves there to go call up his cousin who is a chemist now she's a um, I think cool. that means like pharmacist Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and he gets all the deets on Rosamond. So we're we're not privy to that information, but Alan, that's Alan's train of thought and what he's doing. Okay. Hmm. I mean, she does seem very suspicious. That's for sure. Holding <laughs> information and yeah, she's holding her cards close. Yes, she definitely is. So Mr. Bennington is the lawyer. He shows up the next day, and as he's leaving, um. Nigel asked to walk with him to the gate to kind of, I think, see him on his own. And so from what he had read, Nigel, the legatees from the will are Nigel, Mr. Wilde, and Sir Hubert. So Nigel will get the bulk of the estate, like most of his money. But I think there had been like a couple thousand dollars to Wilde and Hubert or something to that effect. Okay. Mr. Wilde, that's weird. He had been, um, like Mr. Wilde and Charles had been friends at school. So I think they're... Like, they have a connection to each other. 
Uh, I think they say Eaton. Eaton? Eaton? E-T-O-N? Eaton. Eaton. Yes. Eaton. Sounds like a fancy school. (laughs) Eaton. Uh, And then Sir Hubert, I think, had also been a close friend of of Charles. Also from school? I'm trying to think. So my my impression of Sir Hubert while reading the book was that he was much older. But then I was rereading the book, and they say at the beginning that he looked older only because of his gray hair but was quite, I don't know but describe him as younger I don't I don't know let's what was Charles is 46 like Sir Hubert could be like I don't know 55 I think he's sure, a bit older so close-ish but a bit older maybe yeah, yeah. Okay. They, they don't say so I'm kind of making this up but that's my kind of impression um so so Charles sorry Nigel's kind of asking the lawyer about Charles because he's he's basically asking like like just be frank like did he have any enemies like is there anything you can tell me and the mr bennington admits that charles had come to him two months ago with the idea of marriage he was kind of talking about like thinking of getting some things written up to possibly be married and the lawyer had got gotten the idea that he was talking about rosemond grant um but nothing like he hadn't gone through with anything it was just this there had been this idea and he was kind of figuring out what he would need to do if this was the direction he wanted to go right okay asking questions basically yeah so mr bennington doesn't really know much more than that he leaves and nigel kind of goes off for a walk by himself into the woods um where he comes across rosamond sitting sitting on a bench and so they kind of have a strained conversation because neither of them are close like they they know each other through charles who is now dead and mm-hmm. rosamond kind of said she says like some kind of line where she says i used to be afraid of death but not anymore now i'm afraid of alan inspector alan what all right <laughs> yeah so that's a little bit like okay i don't exactly know what you mean by that but sure and so they're they're kind of talking about who who could have done it. Like that's the, everyone's conversation is revolving around who could it be because they're all going crazy because they can't leave this house until the inquest. Yeah. So Mrs. Wilde comes up on them at that point and she's so strongly believing it's Vasily. There's this idea that like she says it every, you know, 20 minutes that it must be Vasily. <laughs> so she's, you know, hardcore on that. And then you also get this impression that these women do not like each other. Like they kind of start fighting and Nigel has to kind of not break it up, but be like, uh, I think maybe Roseman says something like your to, to Mrs. Wild that she's like, um, too emotional. And Nigel has to be like, aren't we all emotional during this time? <laughs> you know, like he's that kind of thing. The situation. Exactly. Yeah. So he's trying, he's like trying to be a gentleman about it. And so they go off, they, I think they all go off their separate ways. And Nigel continues on and he sees Tokarev running into the woods. And he kind of hides because he doesn't want to have to talk to Tokarev because Tokarev has also been like super um, talkative recently. And he's like, I can't handle this. So he hides and he decides to watch until Tokarev returns. And as mm-hmm. he's returning, he notices that the doctor, like Tokarev, was carrying like a briefcase or something like he was carrying a bundle when he had gone into the woods and when he came back he didn't have it and then Nigel also noticed his smoke coming out of the woods and so he runs in the direction that Tokarev had come from and finds a bunch of papers burning and so he stamps them all up 
all out, so like the flames out. When Alan comes out of the wood, like runs up to him and says, "You and I like are thinking alike," because mm-hmm. he'd just been late. Like, he'd also been watching Tokarev and noticed this, yeah, but it just been later. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think they are the papers that uh, that Alan had originally discovered in Tokarev's room. Like the, the Russian, letters. the Russian documents, yeah, the letters, yeah, the seal with the knife, with the knife seal, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So the day before the inquest, Alan asks Nigel to go for a walk with him, and he's basically Alan tells Nigel that he's not being suspected. Like he's okay. kind of taking him under his wing. Is like he basically says, "I want you to be my Watson character." Like he, he tells him to his face, "I want you to be the <laughs> dumb person I tell stories to who doesn't understand anything." <laughs> okay, so that's great. And Alan, Alan tells Nigel that everyone is concealing something, even Nigel, and that that they've already caught Vasily. They're just not telling anyone, and then they've actually already released Vasily. Oh, he's no longer a suspect. Uh, uh, they he doesn't say that like he doesn't go as far as that but there's there's this idea of like yeah we caught him and we already like he's we're, we're he's not under arrest or anything okay so then from some trickery and some words he get, tricks Nigel into telling him what he had overheard between Charles and Mrs. Wilde on the night before the murder he somehow right. found out that he knew about that right exactly and so so, so he, he knew that something had gone on and he was just trying to get nigel to by accident give it away which he did okay. and mm-hmm. so uh nigel also tells him about the other person that he's pretty sure someone else also overheard this conversation so alan yeah. takes nigel down this like faint track that nigel hadn't even known there had been a path there and it's near the border wall at the front of the house and when they get to the end of the path, they get to the iron fence that would have been like at the corner of the wall and the fence. Mm-hmm. And um, Alan finds, I, not not that he's been looking for anything in particular, but he's happy to find some black fur that is caught between the railing, like the um, spokes of the fence or whatever. And he says that this checks out because someone, he thinks that someone had tossed a letter through the through the fence onto the road because a passing cyclist had picked up a letter and brought it to the post office in town and the postmistress had noticed it it had come from um frantoc fan fan what's this place called frantoc (laughs) (laughs) and uh and so i'd given it to the police because the police were inspecting all mail coming from frantoc and so he He's happy to find this fur because he had thought that someone had thrown this letter out. What would the fur have to do with the letter? Uh, he he just thinks it might have been someone's... Like he's thinking someone's coat got caught while they were fitting their arm through the fence to okay, throw the letter. Okay. So, <laughs> so the letter is addressed to Miss Sandy Lands. S-A-N-D-I-L-A-N-D-S. Sandilands. Okay. And inside, it's typewritten, and it says, Please destroy the parcel in Tunbridge B at once and do not tell a soul. Okay. Suspicious. Yeah, so Alan is, you know, like, what does this mean? And who sent this letter? Like, it does, there's, there's no, there's kind of no way to know, necessarily. But now they have this fur. Mm-hmm. 
And so it turns out he goes through um, his list of everyone's belongings and he finds that Mrs. Wilde has a coat with black fur cuffs. And so I think she's the only person with, with that kind of a garment. And so they assume Mrs. Wilde wrote this letter and, and threw it through the, the fence. Right. Seems like that makes sense. <laughs> so Alan asks Nigel to cover for him while he searches Mrs. Wilde's room again. And by accident, they run into Mr. Wilde, who is in the bathroom. Uh, the adjoining bathroom. The adjoining bathroom. And so... Nigel's a basically a terrible liar, so Alan has to come out and be like, it was me, I'm here. And Wilde kind of, he realizes that they're investigating his wife, and so he kind mm-hmm. of goes pale, and he says, he admits to the murder, he says, I, I killed Charles, it was me. What? Right? So so Alan is, is kind of having none of this, and so he says, okay, sure, humor me, when did you do it? And so Charles says, before I came up for my bath. And so immediately Alan's poking holes in it going, oh, so who turned the lights out? Like, why did you sound the gong mm-hmm. when you murdered him? Like, all of these kind of questions. Yeah. And Wilde has no answer for it. And it's it's kind of clear that he's just trying to cover for his wife because maybe he suspects his wife as well. Like, there's, okay. I don't say that, but there's this kind of idea of either he thinks Alan suspects his wife or maybe he does himself. So Alan ends that and kind of goes downstairs, leaving Wilde to, you know, figure himself out. And I think I think maybe Nigel tells Wilde to pull himself together. And then he goes down for tea. So Alan asks, has asked Angela if the three of them, Alan, Nigel, and Angela, can have tea together, separate from the rest of the household. And it's because he's got some... Uh, some questions for them and some things to explain. So he first asks Angela if she knows the name Sandilands, Sandylands, and she has heard of it. She says that it's uh, Mrs. Wilde's sewing maid, so who okay. she would contact to do her sewing. And she also knows where Rosamond had gone after that for that time period where she can't explain mm. after the bathroom. And she said, "Do you want to take a guess, actually, before?" Where did Rosamond? Where did where did Rosamond go? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. She's a bit of a dark horse. Like <laughs> we don't know much about her movements. Yeah. I'm starting to think that maybe she was the extra person in the room when okay. Nigel saw um, Charles and Mrs. Wild right together. Right. That's kind of my current guess is that yeah. she was the one that was obviously. The day before mm-hmm. um so where was she headed yeah she couldn't have gone far because she was still upstairs i mean she could have gone to like talk to charles thinking like oh this is like a good opportunity to like clear the air maybe right. if she like saw something with him and mrs wild and just like wants to be like well what's up <laughs> yeah with everything that's going down yeah. so maybe so, but okay. um okay yeah so so angela does know and she says that she had found she had gone into charles room the following morning to lock up and had found some fluff on the carpet that she recognizes as the green fluff on rosemond's slippers so she she's in agreement with you rosemond went to charles room she went to charles room but like charles wasn't there charles wasn't there yeah so she hadn't actually okay. spoken to him yeah yeah, so she tried to go have a conversation with him. Right, exactly. 
And so then Alan informs them. He's he's done some detective work himself. And as you were saying, it was Rosamond who had overheard the combo mm-hmm. in the drawing room. And right. so it's okay. not super important how he did it, but basically there had been blot. She had been writing a letter on like a writing table, and there had been blotting mm-hmm. paper, and it it had to have basically from like the time the blotting paper would have been there because the maid changed it, and it was her writing, so it had to be her. Okay, not important. Just Alan knows <laughs> that it was her is kind of all that we're getting at. Sure. sure. And so Angela's confused. She she kind of says to to Alan, like, the one thing that's really confusing me right now is why would the murderer sound the gong? Like she can understand why he'd turn the why they turn the lights out, but sounding the gong, like why would you want to draw attention to yourself that much? Yeah. So so Alan agrees and he says that he has a theory and he's pretty sure he knows who did it, but he won't tell them. So I, I'm not going to tell you now, but do you want to take a guess on that? <clears throat> well, I think, <clears throat> I think that if you were going to murder someone and you're like trying to stage it around this whole game, mm-hmm. then it would help to sound the gong. Cause then you knew everyone would, was supposed to freeze in place. Right. Like right. no one was going to come across you or your your movements you had like a few minutes to like do your dirty deed whereas if people hadn't heard the gong yet i i don't know maybe they would be like oh what's happening with the game and they like wouldn't freeze yeah there's like in-game play mode (laughs) okay that makes sense so he he's not telling them right now anyways he's keeping it a secret like tight lift i know who did it but i won't tell you (laughs) um so then they talk about they talk about the the poll. So the I think the journalist boss had called up Nigel to say this this Polish guy died. Uh, and so they ask I think they ask Alan asks Nigel and Angela about Charles rescuing this guy in Switzerland and he asks like how that conversation had gone and so they, they're trying to remember what had been said, what had been said. And I think Angela remembers, oh the guy had lost two fingers to frostbite. And Alan is like, perfect. The Polish guy that was murdered was missing two fingers. So we can ooh, we can ID ooh. this guy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hmm. Yeah. So then Alan has, he basically has a favor to ask them. He's like, I want you both to drive down to London with me. So there's this like, um, uh, Angela is known to be like a really fast driver, like dangerously fast. And so it's the idea that she can get them to London in, like, two hours because she drives so fast. All right, go, Angela. Yeah, so she's asked to come, and he also wants their help with a couple of things. And so um, he says he'll explain later. Um, At first, he's kind of, like, stood up at this moment, and he's put his back to the window, and so he kind of whispers to them, Tokarev is standing at the window. On my count, Angela, run out the door and get the car running. Nigel, you and I are going to tackle Tokarev. Okay. Yeah. Dr. T was sad he wasn't invited to tea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good one. Oh, no one invited me. <laughs> you were doing some shady stuff, though. So no tea for you. So so Nigel and, and Alan managed to capture Tokref, and they bring him into the police station. And with, with Angela driving, of course. And they they don't charge him with the murder. To, um, for now, 
uh, Alan is happy to just charge him with, I think, conspiracy, basically. Ooh, okay. Um, And it has something to do with the knife and the brotherhood. Like, that's... Mm -hmm, Because of the seal. Yes. Something was afoot there. So you kind of get that sense, but we're not... We're still not... We're kind of in the dark about what exactly is going on. So they they leave him there and they continue on to London. So it's a few hours later later when they arrive at Alan's house. And he's basically said, like, he's invited them over for dinner where he'll tell them everything that's going on. And then Mm -hmm. uh, he has some tasks for them. And so they get into the house and guess who is in the house when they get there? Vasily. Vasily is the butler. So he hired him? (laughs) (laughs) Your your face just froze. It was like not shock, not anything. It was just confusion of, wait, 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 hold on, what's going on? Yeah, exactly. It's like, what happened? And it's, he... He explains to Anna Angela because, like, he's she's grown up with Vasily the butler. He's been there for yeah. whatever decades, and so he's explaining to her that he's so sorry, but just he was afraid of the police. Like, he he knows he's Russian and he's a servant. Like, he felt like he was going to be the first to be suspected, yeah. and he also kind of explains that he had been in the Brotherhood back in Russia, but that he wasn't anymore. Mm-hmm. But he knew that they would find those ties, and he was so that freaked him out too. And so, I think. I can't, I'm not exactly sure clear on why, uh, what Alan says about why he hired Vasily, but it was maybe like he didn't want him to go back to frame talk yet. Okay. He, he kind of felt bad for him. Maybe. Like, it's, it's unclear. He's, he's so like cryptic. Like we don't even really yeah. get into that. It's kind of just accepted that Vasily is now the butler there. <laughs> All right. For the time cool. being. <laughs> Solid. Yeah. So... So at dinner, Alan shares some of his deductions. And so this is where he reveals what he thinks happened with the gong. And he says it was, it was in the hallway. This is, I, I don't think you could have guessed this because it's not really described in the book either, but based on the position of the body, they, so one, they think the body was kind of stabbed from like a higher position. So someone taller than him? Taller, or? but they're even like, even if you were tall, like it's almost like you had to be standing on the first step. Like you really had to have some elevation. Um, and because it's in the hallway, it's not that wide. So they, he says when, when Rankin was hit from behind, he fell and his head hit the gong. When Charles, okay. So it's Charles' head. Right. I think my explanation is better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and then this is interesting. He asks Angela if they ever slide down the banister. And so Angela's like, yeah, we ha- actually have competitions at some of the house parties. Like, not this weekend, this past weekend, but in past house parties, we'll have competitions to see who can slide down the banister on their stomach with no hands. The fastest. What? That's so dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> what a dangerous game. <laughs> yeah, but it kind of, it gives us the impression, like, gives us a, a little look into Alan's head of what he's thinking has happened. Or that's what we assume. He, he's not saying anything, but the fact that he's Someone asking. Like, when Nigel was walking up the stairs, he's like, no one's on the stairs, but someone was like sl- sliding down beside him. Maybe. Like, it's where, yeah, we're not unclear where his head's at, but we're getting, we're kind of getting the, oh, on the banister. Okay. Sure. Okay. All right. Okay. It's in our minds okay. now. Great. So then he asks, he asks Angela to do a task for him. And so basically he wants her to go to the Wilds house 
and ask about Tunbridge B. Because he's thinking, I guess Tunbridge mm-hmm. is a place. And so he's kind of asking her, can you find out where in Tunbridge this pack? He thinks it's a pack of letters. That's his, what he's thinking it is that this, okay. that Mrs. Wilde wanted destroyed. And so he's asked, like asking her to do that. And she kind of laughs at him because she, she hadn't been told the Tunbridge B part. And she goes, mm-hmm. oh, I know. I know what's going on here. Just leave it to me. I'll, I'll get it. And, and oh. he's, he's like, wait, tell me what's going on. And she's like, you want to have your <laughs> secrets? I'll have my yeah. secrets. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she makes, I think she makes an inference to like, do you, do you know anything about like antique furniture? And Alan's like, no. And I'm like, no. And you're like, no. But so that's, that's her secret. Yeah, she does. Yeah. So they arranged to meet at the Hungarian, which I guess is like a hip hop and bar or something. That's going to be all. <laughs> open all night <laughs> yeah and so they're to meet there before midnight and the idea is is that they should um call if alan hasn't arrived before midnight call the police station and tell them to raid his house that's okay. what we're called okay so uh so angela heads out in the car and then nigel is given instructions to meet a man called summiloft summiloft and tell him of the Russian meeting. So Semeloft is apparently like, a, he's like a spy for the police that's infiltrated this Russian brotherhood. Okay, within London. okay. And he is okay. to arrange a meeting at Alan's house. And part of this is because Alan knows, and now we know, the reason he wanted to hire Vasily was to keep close eyes on him because he knows it's all a lie and that he is a part of the brotherhood. And so he believes Vasily is, again, not a peasant, but he's, like, very low-ranking. And he believes that Vasily does want out. But it's one of those things of, like, you can't really ever leave. So he he does believe him in that sense. But he's also, like, but you're a part of things. Like, you do know these things. And he gets letters and whatnot. Right. He's a... Yeah, he spirits things around. Yeah. So Um, at this point... I'm going to ask for your first guess on what's happening. And I think I'm, there's another point where I'm going to pause and you can take a second guess if anything's, if anything in your guess has changed. But do you want to take a guess now and just just tell me where your head's at in any sense and who you are kind of leaning towards to suspect for the murder? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I truly don't know. Um, I mean, like, Mrs. W and Dr. T probably have the most like incriminating evidence against them okay in terms of like all these weird letters either that they're like burning or that they're like trying to dispose of right and it's hard to know really how dr t's like involved in all this but I don't know because he was arrested and then they weren't just like he did the murder I'm kind of leaning away Mm. from Dr. T Mrs. White seems obvious because there's this like situation with you know Charles and I guess right now would probably be leaning more towards Mrs. White or not White it's I keep saying that but it's (laughs) like you're you're playing Clue (laughs) I'm playing Clue I love Clue. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that would kind of be my guess. Something to do with Mrs. Wilde, maybe. It might not be Mrs. Wilde, but 
I think she's in also involved to some extent right. that we just don't exactly know of yet. Yeah. Gonna throw something out there, but I'm like, maybe it was one of the maids. I I don't know how much we're like hearing or not hearing about these maids. Right. But I, I don't know. You don't want to leave them Everyone, out. Yeah, maybe Vasily wasn't the only brotherhood connected mm. servant in the household. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? I'm just thinking outside the box, but it's uh, <laughs> probably where my head's at. Okay. If you had to pick like one person, even if you don't have a reasoning for it, but like just mm-hmm. just feels suspicious, like who's who's your who's your person for the murder? Currently, I guess Mrs. Wild. Okay. Okay. She's taken the, the hot seat. She's taken the hot seat. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you, I'll tell you a little bit more about what happens in London. What's going, like what's going mm-hmm. on with this, this Russian meeting. Yes. And then uh, at that point, it's then we're kind of, we've, we've got all the information we're going to get and Alan's going to kind of reveal things. Okay. So, so, so Nigel has given Samiloft, Samiloft, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but. He's not super important, just this informant guy. He's given him the information and they leave the apartment together and walk up the street and then go their separate ways. And so the idea is that Sumaloft is part, he's quote unquote part of this brotherhood. And so he's going to go to the meeting. And I think they've told some, it's, they need to get all the important people in this house. So he's called up all the, the high ranking members of the brotherhood. And uh, Nigel has called back to Alan's house and asked Vasily something. He asked some question so that Vasily would think that Alan was on his way back to um, Frantok in the car. Okay. So he's made it sound like that. And then that's that was um, Nigel's task. So he heads to the Hungarian. And while he's at the Hungarian, he's sitting at a table in the back because uh, he's not dressed appropriately to be in the Hungarian. So they've kind of ushered him away <laughs> to a, a back table. <laughs> so he can club. Yeah. Hungarian. Yeah. And uh, uh, he's sitting there, he's sitting there, he's kind of wondering where everyone is. He's been there for a while. He's been like turning down drinks because he's waiting for at least Angela to arrive mm-hmm. before he orders anything. And a man comes in and sits down at the table beside him. And he's, he's, Nigel notices him and he's, he's not paying attention to him really, but he notices that he's there. And then I think um, the man the man has sat down and he said that he'd come to the Hungarian to hear some singer sing the death of Boris. And so Nigel tunes into this because Ooh, that had been the song. Dr. T! Dr. T had been singing. <laughs> and so he had heard uh, Sumilov when they had left his house. He had said some, there had been a man on the street and Sumilov had gone to him yard like to say are you part of the yard and so nigel does this with this man he like just like whispers like yard and the guy goes yeah i'm i'm headed to alan's house now type thing and so then the man leaves okay it's like okay this guy the police basically the police are everywhere and so angela arrives and they start discussing what had happened so she explains the tunbridge b thing and she's basically like tunbridge b Tunbridge is, I think, the name of a dresser, an antique dresser. Or it's like some style. Yeah. And so, or B, I, I don't exactly know, but she had known that that's what she was looking for. And so she had gotten admit, admitted to the Wilde's house. She had gone up to Mrs. Wilde's room and she had found the packet of letters. So she has them now. Okay, cool. So they're sitting around waiting, waiting, waiting. And it's almost... It's been, they don't read the letters? I, I don't <laughs> think they do. Angela had been like, didn't want to do this at all. 
The only reason she was doing it is mm-hmm. Alan had given some sense that the letters were more important to prove somebody else's innocence. And I think oh. uh, for some reason, Angela gets the opinion that it's Rosamond's innocence. I'm not exactly sure <laughs> why, but that's that for whatever reason, it makes Angela feel better and she's more willing to do it. Okay. So she's, they don't read the letters because Angela's already doesn't want to own them, have them in the first place. Uh, but, but Nigel kind of explains to her what he had done, like his tasks. And then they sit around waiting and around like just before 12, uh, maybe 11.45, a phone call comes in for Nigel. And apparently it's, there's someone on the end asking him to come down to the, um, to Alan's house. Okay. And so he's kind of like, this is weird. I like, I'm not sure why Alan would need me, but if he needs me, okay, sure, I can be there. And so he arrives at, he arrives at Alan's house, and he's let in, and he gets into kind of like the dining room and sees Sumilov has been tied up. Oh no! And they immediately are like, "You fool! You fall in for a trap!" And they tie up Nigel. Ugh, darn it! Yeah, classic. Yeah. And so he recognizes in one of the men that guy who had come into the Hungarian and per- he had thought was a yard mm-hmm. member. Thought he was police, but not police. Exactly. And so they, they're kind of asking, they're asking questions about Tokarev, about Al- like, where is Alan? And neither Samov or Nigel know where Alan is because he had not told them what's going on. And they end up starting to torture them by shoving a needle under their fingernail. Oh my Excuse god! Excuse me. I, sorry, it was hard to even say that. It's so disgusting. Oh, why did this information need to be shared? I don't know. I felt oh. like I should. Oh my god! I can't get that out of my mind. <laughs> oh, protect your head. <laughs> so well, that's horrifying. I would tell literally anyone anything. Well, I'd be the worst spot. That's the kind of thing is like <laughs> Nigel wouldn't be able to hold his like Nigel would tell them anything they want to tell him, but he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Yeah. And so oh my God. I think they ask them again like one more time, where is Alan? And a voice from behind them says, Put your hands up, I'm right here. Boom, boom, boom. And so he's all covered in coal because he had hid up the, the chimney. Oh my god, of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think he like blows a whistle and of course there are police everywhere and they come into the house and all of these these Russians are arrested and they are Alan is kind of telling right. Nigel we've been we've been you know trying to get this brotherhood for a while but it's really hard to get Ooh. people at the top and right. so now we have like all of them he like lucked upon this murder mystery party yeah murder that, that just happened to like <laughs> help him out yeah exactly so so now now, I know I didn't really give you much more information, but I feel like we've cleared up the Russian element, as they call it. Russian element. Uh, yeah. So uh, now now I'll give you a little bit more time to kind of, like, think through how you're feeling about, about Mrs. Wilde or everyone else in the house. And maybe um, how you think she did it, if you still think she did it, or if it's someone else now, how you think they did it. <sighs> I know it's hard. It's really it's, hard. <laughs> it's really hard because... The the obvious people are usually not the actual ones. Like, they're usually involved peripherally, you know, sure. but they're not, like, the actual perpetrators of the, the crime. They're just, like, involved in, like, some side crimes. Right. And 
don't know. I, I, I mean, just thinking about this, like, brotherhood, I keep thinking that, like, Charles was lying about how he got that knife. Okay, yeah. And that, like, he didn't actually get it from someone he saved. Just based on, like, kind of, like, what Dr. T had said, right. being like, oh, this is, like, people rarely get these knives. Right. Like, that that would be kind of out of character for someone to give you yeah. this. Okay. And so, you know, there's, like, the, there's the spited lover, like, Rosamond or something. And then there's, like, the whole thing with the will. But those things kind of seem to pale against this, like, whole brotherhood storyline mm-hmm. that has come out and... Um, I, I'm thinking that like someone was like, he was killed for brotherhood reasons. Like maybe he was involved in some capacity that we are unaware of. And we have the obvious players of like involvement with involvement with the brotherhood. So like Vasily, Mm -hmm. right. And Dr. T somewhat maybe, but I'm like, someone else involved with it like could it be someone who comes out of left field like sir hubert or something who was like you know he's like into russian stuff like maybe he like got involved with the brotherhood i mean mrs wilde is definitely still sketchy but i'm starting to think she didn't do it i'm switching it up sir hubert he's been weird about everything so (laughs) (laughs) okay sure so, so his his motive is, do you think it's just the knife or do you think there's something else involved? Yeah. I think, I think maybe he was like involved with this brotherhood okay. in some capacity. Sure. And like, maybe, I don't know, these knives are like special to the brotherhood. Maybe he'd been involved and like thought he was going to get one and like, you know, been promised some things mm-hmm. and... And I don't know, he's been giving them stuff, but he hasn't gotten a lot in return. You know, he's like this rich Englishman and and he should be getting his due and maybe found out somehow. So not just the physical knife itself, but just like found out somehow. There's jealousy as well. Yeah, Yeah, Charles was involved and, and, or maybe someone was like, oh, if you, if you get rid of Charles, then we'll, uh, uh, you know. We'll yeah, hook you I mean, up. You get a rank in our weird Russian okay. organization. Okay. <laughs> Possible, yeah. Okay. It's a going it's a going theory. We haven't heard a lot from Sir Hubert, so he's been kinda in the background. Okay. I like it. My current thought. Current theory. <laughs> so I'm going to this is something kind of new that I'm thinking to do. So last week, uh, or two weeks ago now because I'm recording this earlier than uploading it, of course. Uh, I, I did an episode just myself with no guest, and I asked for peop- listeners to write in with what they oh. thought happened, and then I did a solution episode. And so I'm not nice. I'm not doing a solution episode. This is I'm going to give it to you right here now. But if you, anyone listening at home wants to... Get her to Don't worry, don't worry. Well, I don't know you're getting the solution. Um, but if anyone listening at home wants to try and take a guess, I would pause the episode here and maybe um, write down your thoughts. And you can send me an email at TuesdayNightMysteryClub at gmail.com with what you think happened. Or DM me on Instagram. The Instagram for the show is TuesdayNightMysteryClub. And 
Uh, again, there won't be a specific solution episode, but from here on going forward, if I get emails with solutions to past stories, I will read them at the end of a future episode. Ooh, I like it. So if you have, I if like you it. think, if you're super confident you know who did it, or you think you just, even if you're not confident, but you think your solution is really good, please write me in and let me know. And I will, um, I'll try to get to that in a future episode. Cause that could be. Yeah. Someone's at home just being like, oh, it's so obvious. Yeah. It's obviously this person. Exactly. That Winona girl. <laughs> she has no idea what's going on. Her thing <laughs> is ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> so I get, um. I, I don't hear from everyone who listens, but my mom, when she grocery shops, listens to mm-hmm. to past episodes or whatever. <laughs> and and she'll come home from grocery shopping and I'll try and ask her something and she'll just point to her headphones and be like, I'm busy. Like, I'm still, I'm at the end of the episode. Like, shh, be quiet. <laughs> and, I'm trying to follow along. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then sometimes I'll get texts from her and they'll be so confusing being like, I think... Um, the the husband must have yada 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 and I'll sit there going what is she talking about because they're not necessarily <laughs> recent episodes sorry mom because I know you're listening oh, right. that's funny. <laughs> but it could be it could be months ago and so I'm re- I've totally forgotten the story and going like what is going what is what is this what is this but so I get her solutions if she's convinced what's gone on so I'm sure everyone yeah. at home has the same feelings and doesn't have access to text me but you can email exactly that's my solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's I. I think the fun for me in these episodes is hearing people's thoughts on the solution. Wild speculation. Exactly. So I would love to hear more. If you have more thoughts, that's that's what I'm in it for. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so Winona, you ready for the solution? Oh my god. Uh, yes, yes, I'm ready. Okay, tell me. So. <laughs> so we we had talked about that this um this sliding down the railway the railing of the stairs Ugh, that thing that's coming yeah back to haunt that's us? coming back and so it is it's like it's kind of crazy that Alan asked this to begin with and you're like how does this fit in and so it's this idea I was kind of thinking about it okay if you're sitting on the railing you would be higher up and so could you right he's just like lean Wah. over yeah and stab and so uh so so Alan's theory is and so actually so he does like a perfect Hercule Poirot moment where he's like I want to stage the like redo the murder and like have it like happen (laughs) all over again and so he has um I think he asks Nigel to play the murderer but then it ends up I think he asks for volunteers and maybe uh, Mr. Wilde volunteers to play the murderer and he has um one of the, the sergeant detective whoever from in town play the play Charles like the the body mm-hmm. and so he has he kind of suggests that he thinks that okay I was gonna I was gonna do this all like you know wait till the end to give it away but I don't think I can I think I'm just gonna have to tell you who did it and then I'll explain to you how they did it so he says okay. I think that Mr. Wilde is the murderer and so what he says he did is that he come up, comes up and he tries to establish this alibi. So he runs a bath and he says he's gotten into the bath and he's talking with Nigel. And then he reaches around into his dressing room and grabs the glove that he knows there, but by accident knocks the second glove behind the dresser. So he only has the one right glove, mm-hmm. right glove. And uh, so that's because he didn't want to leave behind fingerprints. So he's naked, maybe in like a bathrobe. He runs out into the hall. <laughs> 
slides down the stairs, grabs the knife, and he's apparently super quiet, and so Charles doesn't hear him, or maybe Charles has his back to him, grabs the knife with the gloved hand, stabs Charles in the back, Charles falls over, his head hits the gong, and then Nigel flips the lights out. So it was, he of course didn't want the he didn't want the gong to sound. He didn't want to give it away that much, but he did want the lights out because he wanted the cover of darkness. darkness. Or I didn't think about this, but maybe once the gong sounded, he knew he had to turn the lights out to make it seem like it was the game. But wouldn't it just be so obvious, this like naked man in a bathrobe, like sliding down well, the stairs? I mean, if you saw him, but apparently no one was around to see him. Apparently. None of the maids, nobody saw this naked man sliding. I would hope if they did, they would have said something by now. Also, like, if you're sliding down the banister, like, Charles has to be at, like, the perfect spot for you to, like, stab him. Yeah, and he did this all in, like, the span of four minutes. Like, it was, like, the maid saw Charles making the drink, saw Wilde go upstairs, left, and then he had, like, a couple minutes before the lights went out, right? So they kind of are able to really focusing on the time but the other reason they're pretty sure it's him is because there's a handprint on the underside of the banister with his fingerprints on it because he'd only had the one glove right okay so so that's we didn't we didn't know that or um honestly we might have and i just didn't tell you because i thought it was more fun to keep it i feel like that would be too obvious maybe (laughs) if i was like and charles on the banister or sorry mr wilds yeah, he had the... When did he pick up the knife? Like, where was the knife? Oh, oh wow. So I really should have told you that. Uh, oops. That was in the story, and I forgot to write it down. Uh, uh, at some point, I think after Char- uh, Charles had shown everyone the knife, Sir Hubert had put it in one of his uh, leather knife holsters on the stairs. On the stairs, So as he'd been okay, sliding so- down the banister, he'd just been able to grab the knife. Stab. Stabby stab, Charles. Yeah. This is like some acrobatics. Yeah, like, yeah. So, what kind of coordination does this man? Have? Yeah, you definitely have to really, really be reaching for this solution a little bit. But so then it gets into <laughs> how did Nigel's like that's impossible. Like he he was talking to me the whole time, and Alan goes, "Was he though? Like, was it constant talking, or was there some silence after the lights went out? Which of course there was. There was a minute where." Uh, where they hadn't been talking to each other because obviously Mr. Wilde's running up the stairs and getting back into the bath. And so it, uh, the bath water had been running the whole time. And so that it does make sense that he would, he would, your, you know, your brain fills in the blanks when you can't see. Right. So I just find it so surprising. He like commits this murder upon sliding down a banister with all the lights on, like yeah. any one of these servants walking around. No, I agree. I agree. I feel like, yeah, sometimes these stories really have a lot of holes you can poke in them. That's definitely one of them of like, would yes. this really happen? Yeah. Weird choice, uh, Arthur, to make. But, but yeah, um, yeah. It's to be fair, literally anyone who ran down the stairs and stabbed him in the back would probably be noticed. This just seems like the most ridiculous way to do it. But the fact that the yes. servants the servants didn't see anyone. So it if anyone had right. run down the stairs, they would have been noticed. Uh my goodness. They were like, I noticed Rosamond. <laughs> Leave her room exactly. And like, don't see this naked man like flying down the stairs. No, totally. It is it is the like really? 
But then we get into oh, why did why did Mr. Wilde want to kill his friend from school, Charles? His wife. So it comes back to his wife is having an affair. Who is like okay, sure, but how did he know about it? Um, and you have to think back to who was Rosamond talking to when she was crying in the woods. Oh, um, right, probably to Mr. Wilde. Probably to Mr. Wilde, and so that's what that's what Alan is suggesting. He's saying Rosamond had just she had she had been you know there had been this idea of marriage between her and 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 Charles, and then she overhears him kissing this other woman that he, she had already probably had fears about. Like she's probably not completely clueless. She has fears about this. Right, she hears Alan. about it. And now she's like, I can't marry this man. And so she doesn't know what to do. And so she confides in Mr. Wilde. I don't even know if she considered, like, you know, she's also telling him that his wife's cheating on him. But maybe that was the point. Un- unclear on that front. Right. But so Mr. I feel like that would be if it's like, yeah, your wife is kissing the oh, guy that I, kind of, I was going to get engaged to. Yeah. So she's... Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so he wouldn't just—he probably wouldn't just kill him like on behalf of Rosamond, being like, "No, he's clearly mad that his wife's <laughs> cheating on him too." And there's—you remember he was getting—he got debagged that evening as well. <laughs> so, yeah, there's kind of the idea that he's been getting teased or bullied totally. for a while, mm-hmm. probably. Right. Um, and so, the, the joke exactly. And so, I don't think this was. It was spur of the moment for sure, but I think there was probably some lead up, and then the 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 spark was being told outright that your wife is cheating on you. Yeah, so he's been bullied maybe all these years, yeah. made to feel lesser than like yeah. Hubert and Charles and his other pals, yeah. and he's grown resentful, and uh, suddenly everyone's fawning over Charles and his special new knife. Yeah, and. His wife is also with Charles. <laughs> Charles is the worst. I'm sure that's exactly how it happened. And so, yeah. so he loses it and um, and murders. I mean, him. I guess the murder game and him being like named as the murderer like gave him a cover to be like, yeah, plotting begins. Yeah, it, to me, it must have been spur of the moment. Like you can't, you couldn't plan that Charles no. was going to be alone and that this was. Right. And the fact that he almost got away with it, like, I feel like that's, it was a fluke. Like, he, the fact, like, as you're yes. kind of saying, the fact that no one <laughs> saw him is, is crazy quince, like, good for him. But I think super unlikely. You're right. I think there's a myriad of ways that that could have gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, that he didn't get caught was like, <laughs> yeah. Well, just maybe. luck. So, so Alan yeah. does this whole demonstration. And I think... The idea is that Mr. Wilde just loses it and admits to, admits to killing, to killing Charles. Right. And so he, 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 he actually did admit to the murder a long time ago. Yeah. I think they bring that up, but they're like, I already have your confession. Even though it was, and he says that it was when he gave that fake confession that uh, Alan was sure that was him. Because it's this idea of like, uh, like the princess, is it the princess bride where the guy has like the drinking, like should, which one, which cup is poisoned? Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. So he kind of gives yeah. that kind of an explanation of like, a murderer would think that the right thing to do, like the same thing to do would be to defend their wife. And then they would think, but wait, would that look make me look guilty? And then they'd be like, no, but it'd make me look less guilty. Mm. And do that whole kind of like. 
right, right, right. Trying to figure out. Yeah. Right. That makes and sense. And so Alan, Alan had seen all this and gone like, yes, I know you're the murderer now. I see through it all. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Unexpected. The whole like Russian gang thing was just a cover. Yeah. yeah throw, try and He's throw like, I get to take down two problems today. <laughs> So, uh, what do you think of the first uh, uh, pronounced this name wrong? Nagayo, Nayo, Nayo Marsh, maybe. Nayo makes more, but yeah, no, I have I have not heard that name before. But the G would be Um, silent, makes sense. I think so. Nayo Marsh. Have to look it up. I should have. Um, Yeah, no, it was it was definitely very engaging. I I definitely guessed wrong. I was led down all the false paths <laughs> for sure. But I I tried not to take the bait yeah. for all the obvious uh, clues they throw in your path. The obvious, the, the clear red herrings. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, it's got to be Mrs. Well. Then I was like, no, of course not. They never, they're never that obvious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, actually, I kind of was thinking when I was when I suggested Sir Hubert, I was almost going to say Mr. Wilde because I was like, we haven't heard a right. lot from him. Like, my mind kind of went to those two people on the outs that we on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mentioned those two like motives early on the knife slash will kind of thing, which I was like, yeah, it doesn't sound super plausible, <laughs> but also the infidelity. But then I also was just like, nah, the infidelity. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be the Russian gang. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. No, I thought it was very interesting. I, I'd read more from uh, Inspector Allen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, listeners at home, uh, you feel free to write in as well or comment on that. There will be an Instagram post for this book when the episode comes out on Tuesday. Uh, let me know what you thought of um, Nayo Marsh's story or whatever her name is. And if you'd like to hear more Inspector Allen stories. Uh, my grandmother found a Nayo Marsh um, book at, I think, like one of those like little free libraries. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I took this one out from the library, but now I own them as well awesome (laughs) got a treasure little free libraries are the best so quickly i'll just close out winona um as i've mentioned before you can contact me at my email which is tuesdaynightmysteryclub at gmail.com you can follow the show on instagram tuesday night mystery club and that's for if you want show updates on on when episodes come out sometimes i post for example uh, two weekends ago, I posted a solution episode, so I'll, I will post about that if stuff like that happens. Um, I'm also going to be holding, hopefully, some contests in the future, and they're going to be hosted on Instagram, so check that out. Uh, one of them that's coming up is I'm thinking to host a contest to allow a listener to come on the show. So if you listen to this podcast and you're like, all these guests, they never get it right, I would be so much better. <laughs> This is your opportunity. You can that so that will be on Instagram. I am going to be taking a break in April uh, for the month of April, so there will be no episodes released that month, and I will be back for the one year anniversary at uh, the beginning of May. Pretty sweet. Ooh, yeah. Congrats. <laughs> um, if you have been thinking you want to start a podcast, the hosting service I use is called Podbean.com, and you can get a free month with my affiliate code which is podbean.com slash mystery club. And 
If you'd like to support the show, at the top at the top of the show I mentioned that I will now be posting character lists at the $1 tier and above. Anyone, if you support on Patreon at all, at all you can have access to the character lists. Um, and so there's lots of tiers for that. You can get the show a day early. You can get um, the show notes, the notes that I take for the show. If you want more than the character list, you want to be able to read along a little bit. I'd like to thank our current patrons who are Barb McLean, Michael Barillo, Debbie Kravis, Emily Shilton, Alex Young Davies, Sarah Outhwaite, and then at the Inspector Gamash level, which is one level higher, we have Shelly Sal. So thank you. Thank you to everyone uh, for supporting the show in any capacity. If it's if it's Patreon or if it's just support on Instagram, if you, oh oh great way. Uh, rate the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts because that helps it get recommended to other people. Um, and I think that's it. Any final thoughts, Monona? This was a great mystery. Um, and I'm looking forward to more New Zealand uh, <laughs> author <laughs> mysteries. Good. I'm glad uh, you enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks for having You're me. You're welcome. And good night, everyone. <laughs>